0: The rain keeps coming down here in Southern California. The hits keep on raining for the Seattle Mariners. This is a Locked On MLB, Locked On Diamondbacks crossover. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to a Locked On MLB, Locked On Diamondbacks crossover. Every week, we do a crossover episode. We talk about the state of baseball and give a big-time shout-out to that surprising contender in the Southwest. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. You can call me Sully. You can call me Sully Baseball. Just don't call me lazy because we're recording our second show of this week on this feed. That's right. We did a six-episode Week last week, and we're well on our way for another one. It's the it's crunch time. It is big time crunch time. You can follow us on Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter and on an Instagram. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter. Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Hey, this episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com/slash/lockedonmlb or enter the promo code Locked On MLB for a free white tech hat with any order. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. But as I said, this is a crossover, which means we need to bring in my guest host for the day. He's sitting right over there. Sign in, please.
1: Yeah, Miller Thomas, host of the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. Not working as hard as Sully Baseball because I like to take my weekends off. Of course, we're recording this on a Sunday, but it drops on Monday for the listeners out there. Follow me on Twitter at creatorthomas 24 for the personal account. Look up Locked On Diamondbacks both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. Of course, follow us on YouTube. Please hit subscribe on Locked On Diamondbacks on the YouTube channel. And, of course, streaming on all podcasting platforms.
0: So, yeah, uh, I recorded a podcast early on Sunday because we were, we were starting to get hit by the, uh, uh, hit by the rains big time. And, uh, I, uh, do you know what? I said, uh, it's, uh, I better get this one in. Uh, now, as it turns out, uh, we did not lose power. And so I didn't have to, you know, panic so I can say, Hey, there we go. We can, uh, uh, we can get this other uh, episode in. Uh, and so now, if this is being dropped on Monday on the Locked MLB feed. And uh, there you go. Hey, uh, I got a correction on my trivia question. Okay. Uh, the question was, which pitcher has won the Rookie of the Year, the MVP, and the Cy Young Award? And uh, several people answered correctly that the correct answer is Justin Verlander. Mm-hmm. However... Stephen Cole, who's a Twitter at, at Stephen R. Cole, corrected me. Yes, Justin Verlander did, but so did Don Newcomb. Don Newcomb in the 1950s for the Brooklyn Dodgers was the Rookie of the Year and the MVP and Cy Young Award winner. So there you go. Uh, you know, when I make a mistake, I come up with my own trivia questions. I don't have the infrastructure of ESPN behind me. Uh, and I thought I did a good job vetting that one. But alas, uh, I forgot that Don Newcomb won the Cy Young Award. So there you go. I thought he – I know he won the MVP, but I forgot he won the Cy Young Award because I forgot – I thought he was too early to win the Cy Young. But I stand corrected. I absolutely stand corrected. And by the way, I also stand corrected on another thing. I think a couple of weeks ago I pronounced the D-backs dead.
1: Yeah. And
0: absolutely. uh um may I owe my co-host – a, uh, a gigantic uh, a fruit basket of apology. The Diamondbacks are heating up, and um, a couple of things have, have worked in their favor, uh, not the least of which is that the, uh, the, the Reds and the Marlins have picked the wrong time to stub their toe. Uh, but as of this recording, the wildcard teams are Philadelphia, san francisco and the chicago cubs but the diamondbacks reds and marlins are all one game out of a playoff spot right now we could have complete anarchy and so tell me a little bit about the uh the the d-backs who have taken seven of their last 10 games
1: yeah um Listen, you don't gotta to apologize to me, Sully Baseball, because I was right there with you. I was riding, you know, I was calling over the corner. I was making sure he was pronouncing the D backs dead because I was not messing with the D backs vibe. Basically, since mid June, the last couple months, this D backs team has been one of the worst teams, not just the National League, in Major League Baseball. And I've been saying things like maybe they don't deserve to make the playoffs. So I was probably going a little bit too far on the emotional roller coaster. But a funny thing is, when you look at this D backs, This season, you can't put blame on one player, but it's been night and day with Carson Kelly in and out this lineup and with Gabriel Moreno, because as soon as Carson Kelly got healthy, which was like June 12th, June 13th, this D-backs team absolutely tanked. And then within the last week, Carson Kelly got DFA'd. At the same time, Gabriel Moreno has come back. And what has he done against the San Diego Padres? He's been hitting home runs. He's been hitting grand slams. And so that duality of seeing Moreno back in the lineup, a guy who was like a 300 hitter the first couple months of the season, one of the best dudes in baseball at throwing out dudes behind uh, behind the plate, uh, throwing out runners. Then Carson Kelly just struggling in basically every facet as a catcher has been Critical to see the D-backs swap out those two pieces. Meanwhile, Zach Allen looks like he's back on the Cy Young uh, horse. The D-backs are not messing around. They're picking up dudes from the minor league system. They're getting a little desperate with their moves. right? They're calling up the Justin Martinez's rookies and saying, you know what, you could go out there and save a baseball game because you throw 103, we don't care. The D-backs at this point in the season are just putting the best players on the field as possible. Jake McCarthy, you get sent down. We're calling up someone else. The D backs right. do not care. If you're struggling right now at the plate, you're going to you're going to the bench because it is nut crunching time for the D backs. Maybe it's a little bit. It's, it's not, what? It's not. It's what? Not crunching time is that a bad term to use? I
0: don't know. Okay, we, let's keep moving. Let's keep moving.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, sometimes people say it's a little too. It sometimes it's too little, too late. It's not that point. With the it, it could have got there if they never made the moves. At least they're finally realizing some of the mistakes and some of the weaknesses of the of this team this season, and they're finally making moves to address those problems.
0: Well, the series they just played—they played with San Diego. Were just that was like thrilling game after thrilling game. Yeah. And I'll tell you, dude, who's it? like sometimes it helps. I talked about this. On the show that dropped on, on Sunday, which I said the lessons we learned from the Eddie Rosario trade from 2021, which was always fill in a spot with a major leaguer. Yeah. Always make sure, like, you know, if there's a hole, make sure a, a real major leaguer is playing that position. And maybe the Diamondbacks learned a little bit of that lesson. Tommy Pham's not going to win any yeah. MVP awards this year. Okay? I'm going to go out on a limb. But having a real major leaguer in that, he made a couple of key defensive plays in in one of those games against San Diego, and it's just as one of those things like it like you know you you know you can put him in and you have a major leaguer playing that role as you have some younger kids and everything playing the shell game, having a few grownups in the room help as well. But remember, you talked about, what's his name? The kid kid who throws 100 miles an hour. Yeah, Um, Justin Martinez. Justin Martinez, thank you. Remember when the Angels won the World Series in 2002? They brought up Francisco Rodriguez. And I think he had like five more innings than me in the regular season that year. And then when he came into the postseason, no one had a scouting report on him. And for the most part, he dominated until Barry Bonds hit a home run off of them, which there's no evidence ever actually landed. Um, But the fact of the matter is that sometimes if you have a super talented pitcher sitting in the minor leagues and no one's seen him yet, no one's, there's no scouting report on him yet. There's what, 40 games left. You might as well throw a couple of people out there because what did I say earlier between Chicago, Miami, um, uh, Cincinnati, and Arizona? Right now, really, one game separates them. So Mm -hmm. at this point, squeezing a game here or there could really be the difference between October and golf. And for a team like Arizona, punching your ticket for the third wildcard spot, it would be such a gigantic victory for them, for the young players knowing that they're going to have a meaningful season. We were playing – last week we were playing the whole, hey, pat him on the head. Well, at least you, you did okay, kid. Here's a lollipop. They
1: could win the wild card. Yeah, they could. And I like the mindset that also builds with these young players because like a guy like Jake McCarthy last season was really incredible in the second half of the season. They came into right. this year with big expectations, but he's been struggling. So the D-backs sent him down and now it's like it's building this culture of if you don't perform as a young guy, you will be sent to the minor leagues. And if you're performing well in A, you will get your shot at the major league level. The D-backs are going to ride the hot end toward the end of this season and they're going to put the best possible players on the field. It's a wild concept, right? At the end of the season, let's just play the best players possible and that's kind of the strategy the d-backs are going to go with we just want to play hot hands and we just want to play guys or at least perform to the level that we think they can hit think of the two things
0: you just said let's play our best players and let's have accountability Mm -hmm. now that's now that's a concept
1: yeah
0: that's whoa whoa those are two mind-boggling concepts right there whoa are you telling me that you're saying that these players are going to be accountable for whether or not they play well. And again, I mean, this is look at of those four teams, Chicago, Arizona, Cincinnati, Miami. Who's the front runner of that bunch? They're all teams that have talent. They have some very good players. They have some holes. They're all very flawed teams that are going to finish between 85 and 87 wins. So it's there's not one of those four teams that you could look in the mirror and go like, well, look it, look it. I know we're only one back, but you know how are you going to beat, what, the Cubs, the Marlins, the Reds? I mean, this is what happens when you have the Padres, Mets, and St. Louis Cardinals all wet the bed at the same time. Yeah. And so because of that, there is no front runner, which I... means you're, the shell game of bringing people up and everything like that could work miracles in Arizona this year.
1: And I'll have to check um, the schedule, but I think the Marlins are the only team the D backs don't have a chance of getting the tiebreaker against. Like, they still have like mm-hmm. seven games against the Cubs the rest of the year. They still got some games, I think, against the Cincinnati Reds. So, the D backs still control their future. All these teams in the wild card race still control their future because they all got games up, uh, upcoming against each other on their schedule. So, if any team wants to pull away in this tight wild card race, it's just on their own accord to go out there and win these ball games. And for the D backs finally understanding, um, like, some of their moves that the deadline. Let's just get, you see your outfielder struggling. Uh, Lords Goriel has taken a step back in the second half of the season. Some of your young outfielders, let's go out there and acquire Tommy Pham, who is a grown-up, like you said, and is having a really good season. Let's finally address the closer issue with someone who is good and in his prime in a Paul Seawald and stop trying to go after these 38 year old closers with veteran experience the D-backs are finally starting to close up some of their holes Brandon Fott who is a highly talented rookie for most of the season has struggled he's finally starting to heat up he had a great game uh and star against the Padres this series the D-backs are starting to finally um just start to to play a little bit more of the the brand of baseball that we saw the first couple months and it's really refreshing after seeing this team just be absolutely terrible the last couple months.
0: Oh, let's talk a little bit about bird dogs. Bird dogs make you look good. They got the stretch khaki shorts that are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and the leg, giving you that truly sculpted look. And you know what? They do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way better. They fit better than regular shorts. They're made of that stiff, restricted cotton. They fix that issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks like khaki, it tastes like khaki, but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice your movement. And they got that anti-stink wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. Put that powder away. Now, look it. What I need you to do is go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB or enter promo code locked on MLB for a free white tech hat with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on MLB or promo code locked on MLB for a free white tech hat. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. All right, we're here doing the Monday show with miller thomas uh it's the first of the week for the locked on diamondbacks crowd it's the second of the week for the locked on mlb crowd because i'm a lunatic uh you know what it's funny i went into this show today saying i'm not going to talk about red sox yankees i've talked about it so much over the last couple episodes so naturally they have the most thrilling game of the entire series was on sunday uh it was a, I don't know if you watched it. It was an absolutely wild bananas back and forth game. Um, and there was, it was one of those where the uh, Pivetta pitched well. They did an opener situation. Clark mm-hmm. Schmidt actually pitched pretty well yeah, for the Yankees, well. uh, struck out a bunch of players. Raphael Devers, uh, I don't know the exact ownership of Yankee Stadium, but I believe. The deed belongs to Raphael Devers because every time he goes there, he's just on fire. He had a home run in the first. He wound up getting on base, I think, four times. And they did the whole uh, – they did – the Red Sox scored one run on a botched play by Volpe. And then they did the whole – you know, there was a runner on. They walked uh, – they walked uh, uh, Devers – because said, okay, we're not going to let him beat us. And Turner came up and he launched a yeah. three-run homer. Correct. And I'm starting to dance and say, yeah, it's going to be a easy sweep. And then Volpe made up for his screw up and hit a go- and hit a game tying home run. And then came this is when you know things are going badly for the Yankees because they the there was the play where the ball was hit the left field. Russ Snyder trips over himself. Third base coach sends the runner home. The throw comes home. He's called safe. The Yankees take a 6-5 lead. It goes, they said, it goes to replay. And I didn't think they had enough evidence to overturn it. I thought it was one of those, like, look, it could go either way. The call on the field was safe. And then they overturn it. And then the Yankees challenge. They had two challenges on the same play. The Yankees challenge it was their, was their interference. Said no. So the run's taken off the board. Justin Turner gets another RBI hit in the ninth. And then they bring in Kenley Jansen, who just makes me horrified every time he's on the mound. He gets two strikes on Greg Allen, of all people, who comes within an inch of hitting a game-tying home run. It ricochets off the top. And he hits the next batter. Judge comes up, and I go, well, then this is it. And I, and I actually said, well, they took two out of three. I mean, I, all parts of my body had said this game is over. Judge strikes out. The next batter strikes out. The reserve catcher, Ruthfield, I believe his name is, hits yeah. a deep fly ball, but, but not deep enough. The Yankees got swept by the Red Sox. They have an off day on Monday, and they're playing the Nationals who no one's noticing this. But the Nationals are on a roll. The Nationals are winning games left and right. And the Yankees still have won one series since July 1st. Mm-hmm. One against the Kansas City Royals. Every other series, they've either split or lost or got swept. And so now they're on an, an, what was it, an eight-game losing streak. Um, I, I said it the other day, and I'll say it now. Mm-hmm. If you're not gonna have Boone come back next year, make the change now. Whew. I mean, wh- why are you gonna put this poor guy through purgatory? He's a fine announcer. Um this, if he's not coming back, then what I mean, I look at I think this is more cash's mm-hmm. mess than Boone's mess. But as a manager, you can't come up and say, Oh, this is the biggest period of time we have, and you they they had let up five runs in the ninth against the Marlins a week ago. They haven't won since. And in most of the games, they didn't even show up. They got swept by Atlanta. They got swept by Boston. Um, they're now four games under 500. And they are not contenders. Well, so, so why, why, if you're going to replace them, what do you get playing your last 40 games with him as a manager?
1: Well, Casale, I don't know if you heard from Boone. They're not giving up. This season's not over yet for the Yankees. They're still in the wild card mix. If you're a Yankees fan, I mean, I don't know if this is rock bottom. I think you've been hit rock bottom. I mean, you said it on Twitter. I saw a little tweet that you had this, that this is the Bobby Valentine season for the New York Yankees. But unlike the Boston Red Sox, because I love comparing these two franchises because the Boston Red Sox are something that the New York Yankees are not. The Boston Red Sox are malleable. The reason that they got so successful after the Bobby Valentine season is because this Red Sox. Team is not afraid to strip down all their parts of the core, tear down their front office, tear down their manager, and just start from scratch. We just saw it where they trade away all their best players from this generation. They won. They won the World Series the year after the Bobby Valentine year. Yeah, they won because they stripped it down. They stripped it down. They brought in John Farrell. They had Ben Sherrington at the time. And then guess what? In 2018, it's a whole new manager in front office that wins it because the Red Sox, every five years, are not afraid to change everything that they're doing and just completely tear down. Now, the Yankees are a team that have had the same GM since the late 1990s, a guy that only started working with the Yankees because his papa was friends with George Steinbrenner. That's the only reason that Brian Cashman was able to get a job with the Yankees as an intern back when he graduated college in the mid-1990s. Yes, I learned Graduated
0: from college. My mom's listening. Graduated, graduated from college.
1: I'm sorry. I'm sorry, uh, Dr. Sullivan. You know, I learned all this on Wikipedia right before coming on the podcast. So I oh, yeah, it's fine. It's my, fine. Uh, You've got, keep going to uh, me. My information. Here. But, yeah. So – The Yankees are not malleable like this Boston Red Sox franchise. And the other issue that this Yankees team has had, unlike the Boston Red Sox, this Yankees team has not been able to find the homegrown talent outside of Aaron Judge. Like if Aaron Judge is not on this Yankees team right now, just rip him away. Who are you excited to root for as a Yankees fan for the next five to ten years? Who are the other core pieces that the Yankees built up? I mean, we'll see with the Anthony Volpes, but every year you talk about the Gary Sanchez's, you talk about the Gleyber Torres's, and these guys are not long-term pieces for the New York Yankees. You look at the Boston Red Sox, they already got the Durans and the Cassases and the Brian Bellows, already the next generation of young Red Sox studs ready to be called up, already making an impact on the major league level. You look at the New York Yankees, they can't spend money. They have have been spending money in free agency. And when they do spend money on the college Rodons of the world, it hasn't worked out. They haven't been able to grow up their farm system. Everything that the Yankees have done compared to the Boston Red Sox have been not the right decisions. And I think I look at the malleability. I look at the flexibility of this Boston Red Sox franchise compared to the New York Yankees. I think that's the biggest difference when I compare these two franchises and the success that the Red Sox have had compared to New York.
0: They need a left-handed slugger and they need an everyday shortstop. There were 7 billion shortstops available the last bunch of years. They got Isaiah Kanaferlefa, who's a nice utility guy. He is. And he made a couple of tremendous plays at third base today. He's a valuable utility man. But do you know who's hitting the cover off the ball and maybe uh, uh, getting a couple MVP votes? Is Corey Seager, who was put on this planet to be the shortstop of the Yankees. All they had to do was write him a check. You know, they also also write a check to Bryce Harper if they wanted a left-handed bat, who I think has worked, or Freddie Freeman. Here you go. Uh, You know, like, or I wonder if Matt Olson would have been a nice uh, pick. That would have caused a trade. All they needed was money to have Corey Seager and Freddie Freeman in this lineup.
1: Yeah, they didn't spend that money. And we see them try to go after these big left-handed guys, but they target the wrong dudes. They target the Josh Donaldsons, who are like near forty years old and way past his prime. And was dumped. Dumped.
0: They were the Minnesota when they. It was I don't know if you remember in the nineties. It was a film called Problem Child, Mm -hmm. which is a film about this incredible brat, this horrible child, and he was in an orphanage. And when he got adopted. The family took him away, and you see all the nuns celebrating, all these balloons falling down because they can't believe this kid is no longer in the orphanage. That's what the twins did when the Yankees acquired Josh Donaldson from them. I just made a problem child reference in 2023. I need help.
1: Yeah, and honestly, you could look at another deal where they tried to get big left-handed bat. They traded for Joey Gallo. One of the people that they gave up in that, Ezekiel Duran for the Texas Rangers, who is an everyday player who can play every single position and looks like the kind of athlete that the Yankees need right now Um, as well. I mean, you look at some of these Brian Cashman moves since 2010. I mean, Aaron Hicks extension, the Ellsbury deal, the Donson Rodon. Like, There's so many. There's a track record of bad decision-making by these Yankees front office, and it's like, if you're not going to change what's going on, like how 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 can you ever expect Yankees fans to buy into this idea that this team can turn it around when you have the same front office and the same decision makers every single season? How is anything ever going to, to, uh, how is anything ever going to change? All right.
0: We've we've talked enough about teams that are falling apart. Let's talk about two surging teams uh, that are really making a difference in the postseason. First of all, uh, let's take a look at the, the Milwaukee Brewers had one of the strangest nine-game stretches you'll ever see. They swept the Chicago White Sox. They came to Los Angeles. They got swept by the Dodgers. They came back home. Oh, no, they, they went to then went to Texas, and they swept the Texas Rangers. So they're either sweeping or they're being swept. But when they lost those three games to Los Angeles and they were going into Texas, I thought, oh, my God. Could this be the moment where the Brewers absolutely fall in their face and uh, let the Reds overtake them? And the answer is no. The answer is no. The Brewers put on the aft thrusters and beat Max Scherzer, no less, mm-hmm. who passed Phil Necro in the all time uh, strikeout list, uh, career strikeout list on Sunday. But the, the Brew Crew did a really good job. And that's a statement. To beat the Rangers like that, and to show that wait a minute, we are the front runners for the NL Central right now, and with neither the Cubs nor the Reds really being able to take advantage of that sweep by LA, uh, the Brewers have reestablished themselves as the team uh, as the team of the NL Central, as they now have a three-game lead over um, over Chicago and are. They, they don't really have a chance to catch Atlanta or L.A., so they're probably going to be fit right in that, that wildcard series at the top. But that was a big win. And the fact that they've won, um, they've won seven of their last ten games, uh, that's a big statement for Milwaukee.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're a good regular season team. I just don't trust any central team, really. I mean, I might have more faith in, like, the Chicago Cubs Um, once we get to the postseason time than the Milwaukee Brewers because I just think I know what the Brew Crew deal is going to be once we get to the postseason. You're going to have a Corbin Burns or Freddie Peralta go out there and pitch five or six strong innings, but the Brewers are ultimately going to lose because they cannot score enough runs. You look at that lineup, and just not good enough. Christian Yelich is quietly having a bounce-back season, but outside of him, who are you really scared of in this Brewers lineup? They actually— actually traded away uh, a Luis Uriah, so I'm pretty sure he was on Milwaukee. Um, He was. Unless unless I'm wrong. But, yeah, he gets straight to the Boston Red Sox, right? He has a pretty big week this past week with a grand slam uh, and stuff like that. So, it's like you're trading away offensive pieces from a team that desperately needs offense. Like, the Brewers are kind of like the Miami Marlins pre tread trade deadline when you're like the rotations are very strong the bullpen is very strong but can this lineup score enough runs to support this team the marlins at the deadline went out there and got like a jake berger who's been pretty impressive they at least got like a josh bell and some other pieces in their lineup to just kind of round it out the brewers didn't really do that they just kind of doubled down on some relief pitching got like an andrew shapen in the back end of their bullpen traded away a loose and i just think once we get to this postseason people might pick them as a dark horse team because you look at that rotation with the wood the of so freddie pralters and corbin burns but i think they're going to disappoint and probably be knocked out pretty early once we get to the playoffs.
0: Alright, now let's talk about them. The team who has had the uh, the run over the last three days mm-hmm. that could completely pull the wool over everyone's eyes. It wasn't that long ago that the Seattle Mariners were on the outside looking in and looking like they were going to not make it back to the postseason after a uh, Making it to the division series last year. Since then, the uh, the the Seattle Mariners. Hold on, I got Baseball Reference dot com, the single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth. Seattle Mariners have won fourteen out of eighteen games this month. Mm-hmm. Okay, Julio Rodriguez is putting up numbers that would that are out of a video game. Yep, and they went into Houston. And swept the Houston Astros. And with that sweep, plus the Rangers getting swept, suddenly the, I mean, I'll say this. The division is in play. The division is in play for the Seattle Mariners, who are, as of this recording, the third wildcard team. But they're only half a game behind Houston. They could leapfrog Houston, and they are only four games back in the loss column of the Texas Rangers. And they play the Rangers something like uh, seven out of the last 10 games are head to head matchups between Seattle and Texas. And your Diamondbacks yeah. are playing the Houston Astros a bunch down the stretch. So, in many ways, The Diamondbacks are playing a huge role in who could win the AL West, but with the way the Mariners have been playing, the way Julio Rodriguez has been playing on a different level, the way they're starting to pitch, the way they're getting the big hit when they need it, and they're jumping out to early leads, they're doing all the things you want, suddenly the Seattle Mariners could look up and say, hey, they could win the AL West and have a bye going into the division series. That's possible. Is it probable? No, but neither was them sweeping the Astros at the same time that the Rangers were being swept by the Milwaukee Brewers.
1: Yeah, the D-backs controlling the fate of the AL West leaders is not something they expected with them playing the Rangers this week, their last series of the year against the Houston Astros. I do like this Seattle Mariners team. I probably won't pick them to win the division, but... Would I be surprised if they did? No. This is a team that I think once you get to the playoffs, I do think they have the kind of makeup of a dark horse postseason team because you look at that rotation extremely deep with the Luis Castillos, the Logan Gilberts, the Kirbys. Even a guy like Bryce Miller is also having a pretty fantastic He, he
0: got a great start down the stretch. Yeah,
1: Great start. They, of course, stray where they're closer. Paul Seawall to my team, the Arizona Diamondbacks. But even outside that, they still have like four to five to six relievers who you still really trust who are having really good seasons. And like you said, Julio Rodriguez is starting to turn it on. He's having. He just had one of the best stretches we've ever seen in major ever. history. Literally, ever. I think it's like the first time since like 1901 that someone had like 13 hits in like a three game. And then
0: he gets a double in the first inning, and they jump right. Like he just, he just keeps going. He's a machine. It's absolutely. Yeah. Op- it's, it's appointment television watching Julio Rodriguez.
1: And I think we talked about this on last week's pod. Like You're going to have also – you have other guys like a Tiasco Hernandez who's had mm-hmm. a down season, but he's going to be a pending free agent. And if you want to make money, if you're Tiasco Hernandez, the best place to do it is in the playoffs. So if this team gets in, they are a team to watch, and you don't want to sleep on them because there's other teams in the American League. I don't trust any AL Central team, but a team like this – with pitching in the rotation, pitching in the bullpen, you just know if you could score four to five runs, you have a chance to win a ball game. With a guy like Julio Rodriguez, he's uh, heating up. We saw Bryce Harper carry that Phillies offense through the postseason. If your pitching is on, a guy like Julio Rodriguez is dynamic enough to account for one to two runs by himself every single game.
0: By the way, I'm going to shout out one final thing today. Uh, Dallas Keuchel. Took a perfect game into the seventh. Uh, really it was a six or seventh inning against the Pirates, and um, I, I forgot Dallas Keuchel was active. You know, and I, I said, "Good, <laughs> you know, good for him, and good for the Twins for picking him up, and you know, probably on the super cheap." Uh, but you know, the Twins for me are that team that they'll make the playoffs, and you just think they're going to be two and out. Um, and and that's Brandon and everyone locked on Twins. Don't get mad at me for saying that. I have nothing against the Twins. I'd love to see the Twins do well. Absolutely. They've got a bunch of players I'm a big, big fan of. But I just don't see it happening. No. I don't see it happening. But then you could say virtually every team in the American League has major flaws in it. There's, you know, we've seen some of the flaws in the Rays recently. We know that the starting rotation for the Orioles is not top-notch. We know that the Twins – are are a a, quintessential we'll have a nice regular season then we're out of there you know we know that the the Mariners look good and the Rangers look good and the Astros look good but they're all vulnerable teams they all could possibly lose so there is no favorite team so it's literally going to be that team that has a good couple of weeks and next thing you know they'll be playing in the World Series watch it be the Astros again but anyway, yeah, it's it's yeah,
1: going to be the Astros again because it's been the Astros is. every single season since 2017. So I'm going to – once we get to postseason, I'm going to go on FanDuel. I'm going to say at least the ALCS Astros make it there. Put some money That's, down on that. All right,
0: and I'm going to repeat the trivia question because I posted it on uh, the Sunday episode. Uh, we talked a little bit about Pete Rose. Who is the only player that Pete Rose was ever traded for? What? Unlikely future World Series hero was the only player who was ever traded for Pete Rose. Let's put it in the comments, send it to Locked On MLB Pods, or here in the YouTube, or at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Bill Thomas, tell people where they can watch the show.
1: Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Thomas 24 for my personal account. Look up Locked on Diamondbacks, both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. Look up Locked on Diamondbacks on YouTube, on all your podcasting platforms, of course. And don't forget to catch every D-backs pitch on their hometown broadcast when you download the serious XM app and search up Diamondbacks.
0: All right, talking about the surging Diamondbacks, the unpredictable Mariners. Maybe we'll get that 2001 World Series. Everyone thought we are going to get Seattle versus Arizona. And the fact that the Yankees, the team that, actually lost that World Series, well, those are the good old days for them. This has been a locked-on, MLB locked-on, Diamondbacks crossover. Hope you have fun watching the Little League game. I'm, your, I'm Sully. That's Miller, and We're going to fist pump.
1: Boom.